Monday and another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Joe, no, I did not get the memo. It's Burgundy Day in the studio. I'm looking at Joe. He's got Burgundy. And that's a very snappy kind of uh, checkered print there that Bob's got on right directly in front of me. That's how Bob rolls. Yes, it is. Just call him snappy. Yep. Just for success. I don't usually roll, but today I am rolling. <laughs> <laughs> They say dress for the job that you want, right? Mm -hmm. So what is that job then, Joe? I'm just wondering. We'll get to that next week. Okay. (laughs) We're going to talk about the job, though, of Iowa making a $2.8 billion grain deal with Taiwan. We'll be talking about that in Ag News at 1213. Japan telling Nebraska's trade delegation that was overseas last week they're interested in multi-nation trade agreements, not bilateral trade. Also, Senator Kurt Friesen of Henderson officially announcing his election bid today. He wants to do more work on property taxes, of course, so we'll hear from him. Uh, I'll have a chance to uh, bring some information from Shannon Peterson, one of the organizers, and also Carissa Eckel and Brianna Cranow. They were two of the women's winners at the Nebraska Hand Corn Husking Competition. That was Saturday near Gothenburg. Susan Littlefield is up at 1245. Yeah, our newsmaker segment talks about agri-ability program here in Nebraska, how it's helping keep guys farming. And also, Shaley Peters up at 117. We'll get more from the big transition for Exarbon as it moves to Grand Island. That gets started later on this month. Should be a big, big deal. Like that. All right. Uh, I guess the only question to ask here of a sports guy is, how about them Huskers? How about them Huskers? <laughs> uh, weekly press conference taking place at this time. Oh, my. Probably some interesting questions will be asked. It could turn out to be a crazy fall. Unfortunately, we've been down this road before. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. Lost in Nebraska's soul-crushing loss to Northern (laughs) Illinois on Saturday was quite the football game in Crete, where 7th-ranked Doan rallied to beat 22nd-ranked Dakota Wesleyan 68-67 in football. Whoa, what a game. Doan was down by 18 with six minutes to play. I'll tell you more about that. A game for the agents. And actually seeing these two teams play the last couple of years, I'm not surprised that they put up some points. 68-67. Play-by-play guys in that one had to be out of breath (laughs) at the end of the day. Yeah, well, there's a lot of lung capacity there. Yeah. Also, Saturday was just a bad day around for Husker Athletics. Then your volleyball team was upset by Northern Iowa. Now they bounced back that night and beat Omaha. We'll get the thoughts of head coach John Cook. He's he's scratching his head. Huskers mm-hmm. need to figure it out. They'll start Big Ten action coming up this Friday at Penn State. Yeah, well, I trust they will. Bob Brogan, the snappy dressing Bob Brogan with our business. Well, banks are leading U.S. stocks modestly higher in midday trading, extending the market's gains from last week. So we're Kind of watching that trend. Um, on a down note, about 2,500 workers at a General Motors factory in Canada that makes the Chevrolet Equinox SUV are on strike over some issues. And uh, U.S. home builders feeling a little bit less optimistic about their sales prospects. Uh, they're uh, concerned about rebuilding efforts following Hurricanes Harvey and Irma. And they're saying that uh, that may drive up costs for construction, labor, and materials. Last but not least, the U.S. Navy plans to use Xbox 360 controllers to operate periscopes aboard newer submarines. Uh, That's kind of an interesting (laughs) concept. Maybe they'll have some Mario Brothers toggle to run the propellers. Call of Duty, maybe. (laughs) It could be that. All right, it's all coming up for you today on Midday. 
Well, we have managed to snag Paul Perkins for a look <laughs> at weather, brought to you by Coleman Repair. And if you look just a little ways west, you're going to find crystal blue skies. Yeah, lots of clear blue skies as you head towards northwest and north-central Nebraska, also into the far southwest, and also much of west and central Kansas currently getting a fair amount of sunshine. And it will be helping in a nice warm-up for today. All right. We'll look forward to it. And that uh, probably is going to hold for a day or two anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next several days, we're looking at some lots of sunshine. Uh, right now, that clearing line, basically from about Ainsworth down to Thetford, Ogallala, and Imperial, on into much of the western half of Kansas. We are seeing lots of sunshine. And that will help in a nice warm run warm-up for today as a warm front and those thunderstorms continue to move towards the east. Still a little bit of shower and thunderstorm activity to far southeast Nebraska from Lincoln down to the southeast corner and also into far northeast Kansas. Skies tonight will be clearing as high pressure builds in from the southwest. Even warmer and breezy conditions arrive tomorrow as an area of low pressure continues to strengthen across the high plains. Fire weather concerns will be near critical levels tomorrow with those winds warm and drier, especially as you head to the drier southwest locations. Tomorrow night, we will see the dry passage of a cold front. High pressure behind that front will return our sunshine and more seasonal-like temperatures as we head towards Wednesday. Then on Thursday, another area of low pressure. A strong one starts to develop on the high plains. Winds ahead of that low will be gusty, and unseasonably warm temperatures are going to return for Thursday. So we're going to kind of go in an up-and-down pattern this week. Tuesday and Thursday look to be our warmest days and still on the warm side for Friday. Then that area of low pressure and a cold front start taking a favorable and slow track for a likely chance of some thunderstorms the entire weekend. This weekend looking rather wet and unsettled. And that long-term forecast looking on the cooler and wet side, that is shown uh, in Nebraska and Kansas temperatures. We're forecast to be near seasonal or near normal this weekend. Then be by early next week, we'll start to st- see a trend towards cooler than normal temperatures the middle of next week to the 1st of October. And high likelihood, especially this weekend, that we will see above normal rainfall in both Nebraska and Kansas this weekend through the 1st. And once again, that long-term forecast trending on the cooler and wet side starting this weekend. Weather factors driving the market trade include mostly favorable conditions for the Midwest, rain for the winter wheat belt, and more rain for the northern plains. Cool air will make an eastward push and also encompass the northern plains and the west by the end of the week. Periodic rain and thunderstorms expected to spread as far east as the Midwest as the week progresses. Weather continues to be favorable across the Midwest for right now for maturing corn and soybeans. The forecasted rain, though, will disrupt the early harvest efforts across the western Midwest. Harvest weather looks to be favorable for a while in the eastern Midwest, and no damaging cold weather is expected for at least the next seven days. The conditions are favorable also in the northern plains for the time being for filling and maturing corn and soybeans. Rain in the forecast expected to disrupt the harvest, but recharge the soil that was hard hit by drought. Frost and maybe a light freeze are possible in the northern plains early next week, but little damage is expected. Beneficial rain across the southern plains expected in the next seven days for planting and emerging winter wheat. Crop conditions are improving across the Delta and southeast U.S. after being hit by the remnants of Hurricane Irma. Only a few light showers are expected in the southeast the next seven days, and the Delta looks to be warm and dry. In Brazil, they're starting to undergo... uh, 
planning efforts. Rain is needed to initiate soybean planting in northern Monte Grosso. Dry weather is expected, though, the next seven days. All right. I, I just have to be curious uh-huh. here. In the Intermountain West, did they get that snowfall in those upper uh, elevations they were talking about? I'd imagine they probably did, yeah, because I know they had winter storm warnings as you headed towards uh, western Wyoming and northwest, uh, or western Montana, northwest Wyoming. And it looks like uh, they could be getting the, well, it's probably on the wet side now with that moisture that's moving yeah. through there yeah. currently. Well, uh, it looks like we're doing okay as far as uh, not expecting any frost or freeze, so we're no. in a really good opportunity to get that grain exactly where it needs to be. Exactly, yeah, especially a lot of this week, we're going to see a lot of driving with the warm and uh, windy conditions expected right. for the next few days. Very nice. Okay, well, we'll... Uh, Follow along there and uh, hope for the best. Keep the fingers crossed and uh, do all the prayer that needs to be done here. Keep Definitely. Right on that straight and narrow line <laughs> there. And if uh, we want to remind you that our weather's been brought to you by Coolman Repair. And when you need weather anytime, krbn.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Still seeing the winter wheat futures, corn futures lower. And trying to drag down soybeans, which are a little higher based on a couple of great export sales announced this morning. December corn at 351 and a quarter, down three and a half. March 364, May 372 and a half, both down three and a quarter. Next December 394, also down three and a quarter. November soybeans 971 and a half. January 981 and three quarters, both up two and three quarters. March 990 and a quarter, up two and a half. Next November, 986 and three quarters, up one. December Chicago wheat, 444 and a quarter, down four and three quarters. March, 463 and three quarters, down four and a quarter. December Kansas City, 442, down four. March also four lower at 490, that should be 459 and three quarters. December Minneapolis wheat last traded 624 and three quarters, up three and a quarter. We're starting to fall back from those uh, bigger gains uh, earlier in cattle futures. Feeder cattle still with those uh, triple-digit gains, however. October live cattle, 107.90, up 15. December, 113.02, up 20. February, 116.97, up 22. And April, 119.12, up 42. September feeders, 151.30, up 107. October, 152.12, up 147. November 152.22, up 150. January 148.75, up 122. Lean hog trade lower. October at 60.22, down 75. December 58.02, down 45. On Wall Street, the Dow on a record. 68 higher at 22,336. NASDAQ up 23 at 6,472. S&P 500 up 5 at 2,502. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time.
effective nitrogen? That's a given. Responsive nitrogen? That's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. Here's a look at ag information. I'm Joe Gangwish along the Rural Radio Network. Exarbon 2017, that kicks off this weekend and for the first time ever in a new location. Let's get an update from Shaley Peters. Final preparations are being made in Grand Island ahead of this year's event. And Kevin Cook, Executive Director of Agricultural Initiatives, says there's one thing in particular he's looking forward to. We're going to do a presentation for those families that received the 150-year Farm Family Award on Friday, probably about 11 o'clock or 11.30 to the Cap Challenge piece. And I invite you to come out to see those, well, I think there's 1,650-year Farm Family uh, Award winners. Cook says he's also excited about this year's changes. Um, the big thing is um, life will be a little different. Um, free parking. Um, the building will be open. We'll have some vendors on staff. Um, won't cost you anything to come and see what's going on. Yeah, hopefully we're going to have great weather. Exarbon officially kicks off this Saturday. And for more information, you can visit exarbonstockshow.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. Nebraska Senator Kurt Friesen of Henderson officially announced his re-election bid today, saying he feels more needs to be done on property taxes. Friesen says it still boils down to K-12 through education and how to get that funded. When you look at the increase that we've seen, and whether now it's ag land or you're seeing it in, in the urban residential homes, um, the increases are are getting severe and people are under pressure and there is a lot of pressure I think on us to come up with some other way of funding K-12 education. Also on Senator Friesen's short list for issues to tackle is high-speed broadband access to rural areas. A trade team from Taiwan visited Iowa last week and signed letters of intent to purchase $2.8 billion worth of U.S. grains over the next two years. AgWired reporting that the deal includes corn, soybeans, wheat, and the ethanol co-product distillers dried grain with solubles or DDGs. Iowa Corn Promotion Board Director Mark Heckman signed the letter of intent between ICPB and the Taiwan Feed Industry Association outlining the intention by the uh, Taiwanese. Uh, They're going to buy 197 million bushels of corn and 0.5 million metric tons of DDGs between 2018 and 2019 at an estimated value of $1.5 billion. Leaders from Japan telling a Nebraska trade delegation last week they're not interested in bilateral trade agreements with the U.S. Instead, Japan telling Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts that the nation holding out for the U.S. to rejoin the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Ricketts says he's pressuring U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer to negotiate new agreements between the U.S. and Japan and encourage Japan to engage with the U.S. in those talks. President Trump removed the U.S. from the TPP agreement upon taking office this year. TPP was worth an estimated $4 billion to U.S. agriculture. Culture. Back in Iowa to help haul this year's harvest, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds signed into effect today a proclamation granting a temporary 60-day weight limit exemption for trucks on Iowa roads. The 2017 Harvest Weight Proclamation specifically increases the weight allowable for shipments of corn, soybeans, hay, straw, and stover by 12.5% per axle up to a maximum of 90,000 pounds without the need for an oversize overweight permit. 
And local officials have backed away from offering a key incentive for a planned Tyson Foods chicken processing plant in northeast Kansas. The Lawrence Journal reporting that Leavenworth County commissioners saying today they're no longer prepared to issue industrial revenue bonds for the $320 million project south of Tonganoxie, Kansas. More ag news can be found at ruralradio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. The Nebraska State Hand Corn Husking Championships were held near Gothenburg over the weekend. I'm Joe Gangwish here on the Rural Radio Network. After the contest, we caught up with one of the organizers, Shannon Peterson, who also is chairman of the Gothenburg Ag Committee. She talks about how the day went. It was a great day. We couldn't have asked for better weather. The only thing that would have been better was a Husker win, but, you know, can't ask for everything. I think we ended up with 51 contestants picking. Uh, like I said, tons of vendors, food vendors and craft vendors, and lots and lots of people coming in and out and enjoying the entertainment. Talk about the coordination, because what we call here is the marshalling area, and we've got teams of horses that they pick into. Uh, the pickers will go out as teams or as individuals. So talk about you know all the coordination it takes to put this together. <laughs> We have a great committee that works on this. For, you know, honestly, we've been started on it since last year. Uh, we kind of have someone in charge of lining up all of our horses. Uh, we have people in charge of the volunteers just kind of divide up into areas, go do some fundraising and stuff like that, and really kind of work together as a committee and trying to get all the help that we need. And it, it takes a lot of people to pull this event off, and it's fun to get all these horses out here. And you get a lot of comments from the pickers that, uh, that we have the horses and wagons here, because some of them that you go to, they still they don't have that there, so we're pretty lucky here in central Nebraska to be able to have that. So next year, where does this contest go? Not really sure at this point in time. <laughs> Not sure what the plan is. Um, but like I said, the winners of these groups, uh, Nationals, is October 21st in Marshall, Missouri. So the winners of these divisions all get to go on and compete in Nationals and represent Nebraska down there. You guys put on a nice show, and it's, uh, again, a beautiful venue down here at the Hecox Barn southwest of town. So you got to be proud of the time and the events you had here this weekend. Yeah, you know, we really want to thank all of our sponsors and Jim and John Hecox for letting us use this great facility. Uh, it takes a lot of people to be able to pull this off and make it all come together and pull off a great event like this. Also after the competition, we visited with a couple of young women who won their divisions this year at the State Hand Corn Husking Championships. Both of these ladies are from Gibbon, Carissa Eckel and Brianna Cranow. First of all, Carissa, which uh, division did you win? Uh, the women's, 21 to 49. And youth women's, 15 to 20. How long have you guys been doing this? Uh, like 14 years. I didn't get to do it last year because I had to work, but before that, yeah, like 14 years. Brianna, how about you? I think about seven. Maybe. <laughs> now, just just been kind of a family tradition. Yes, yes. Dad wanted to go like 14 years ago, yeah, on his birthday, and they were like, "Well, we might as well pick if we're gonna go." So, been doing it ever since. <laughs> okay, so who taught you then? My dad, I guess. Dad. <laughs> yep. What do you like about doing it? It's fun. I like the competition. Kind of, you never know how the corn's gonna be or what what the weather's gonna be like. So, just the guessing game. Well, we live in town now, so it just kind of brings me back to the countryside that like we used to live in. So, <laughs> Speaking of that, I heard that this corn here had been hailed on a little bit, so how was the corn working this year? Not so good, at least not in my row. It was, there was a lot of down corn and a lot of nubbins, but you just adapt. It was okay. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of nubbins. <laughs> been a beautiful day out here, though. What did you like about picking today? It is. It, it's kind of chilly this morning, but it turned out to be a really nice day. So it's, it's nice when you can just pick in your t-shirt and you don't have to be all bundled up. <laughs> I like having to not pick with gloves because I hate picking with gloves. <laughs> so now you go on to nationals, right? 
Mm, I don't think so. We qualified, but I don't think we'll go. But you'll continue to do this, though, on in the future in your lifetimes, right? Yes. As long as it works out, yes. Definitely. That was Carissa Eckel and Brianna Cranow, both a couple of winners from the weekend's Nebraska State Hand Corn Husking Championships and also one of the organizers, Shannon Peterson of Gothenburg. I'm Joe Gangwish on the Rural Radio Network. It's the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network and time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, NU looks to pick up the pieces this week at home after they were upset by Northern Illinois on Saturday. Head coach Mike Riley says this is an important time now for his team. With what just happened, it just all of it comes to the front. On you know, I think that we've got to get uh, a real solid game plan together, build up the confidence of our players. You know, we actually, you know, if, if you're talking about initial starts in the game, we had a great drive going. And then, of course, the interception touchdown on the bubble screen. This is the second time in three years that Riley's been head coach. The Huskers have gotten off to a 1-2 and two start. This weekend's game kicks off at 2.30 Central Time in Lincoln. The Big 12 and ABC ESPN have announced that K-State's September 30th game against Baylor will kick off at 2.30. That game will be televised by either ABC or ESPN2. On Saturday in Crete, there was a game for the ages. A 7th-ranked Doan held off 22nd-ranked Dakota Wesleyan 68-67. Doan rallied from 18 points down with less than 6 minutes to play. Quarterback Jack Shadley of Columbus threw for 409 yards and 4 TDs as Doan improved to 3-0 on the season. Dakota Wesleyan is now 2-2. Saturday was just a bad day all around for Husker Athletics as the NU volleyball team was upset by Northern Iowa in four sets. Head coach John Cook still isn't quite sure what happened in that one. You know, I was really surprised. Again, I, I don't know if it's because it was midday or, you know, I don't know, explanation. I mean, I just saw us do things we haven't done all year. I mean, we, we, were, we had won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six straight matches, sweeps 3-0 up until, you know, that match. So we were, we were playing some pretty good volleyball. So I don't know what happened, but we got to figure that out. The Huskers, who are 7-3 on the year, start Big Ten action on Friday night at Penn State. The Lions and Giants close out the NFL's week number two schedule tonight in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, the league's highest paid player, was in midseason form in Detroit's comeback win over Arizona to start the year, throwing for 292 yards and four TDs. And Tigers manager Brad Osmus says he may play Andrew Romine at all nine positions during one of Detroit's games this week against Oakland. Romine has played everywhere except catcher in his career, and if he needs pointers behind the plate, he can ask his brother Austin, who's a backstop with the New York Yankees. This series against the A's is the last chance Romine would get to play all nine in a game without possible postseason implications. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies tonight to Nebraska, lows in the 60s in the east to the upper 50s in the west and central. I'm Dave Schroeder. 54 Nebraska employers and 34 communities have won accolades for offering wellness programs to their employees. Governor Pete Ricketts announced the winners of the Governor's Wellness Award today. He says the businesses recognized are putting people first and creating a healthy workplace environment. Two categories, the Sower Award for Workplaces with Established Quality Wellness Programs and the Grower Award for Businesses and Organizations that Demonstrate Significant Improvement in Employee Behaviors. 
Awards will be presented at four separate award ceremonies coming up this fall. A popular antique auto tour has kicked off in central Nebraska. The 72nd Annual Revival AAA Glidden Tour rolled into the Adams County Fairgrounds on Sunday and will stay through Friday. This year marks the first time in the Revival Tour's history that the event is based in Nebraska. A lineup of 130 vehicles, all made before 1943, will be featured in this year's Meet in the Middle Tour. More than 300 people are expected to accompany the tour. The Nebraska region of the Antique Automobile Club of America is hosting the event in Hastings, but the participants will have the opportunity to drive to several towns and attractions in Nebraska. Destination locations include Pioneer Village in Minden, the Archway in Kearney, and Hastings Museum, as well as the Prairie Museum in Holdridge. The 25th annual writing competition known as the Letters About Literature Contest is coming up for students in grades 4 through 12. Mary Jo Ryan with Nebraska Library Commission says the contest encourages students to write to any author, living or dead, explaining how that author's work changed the student's view of the world. Ryan says prizes are awarded on both the state and national levels. All of the entries go to the national competition, and we have a state winner, or a, actually a number of state winners here in Nebraska, um, winners from different grade levels, and then those state winners are eligible to be considered for the national con competition, which is a trip to Washington, D.C., and, and a very exciting thing. And we've had terrific local state winners here in Nebraska in the past, and we have had national winners as well. Many trusted charities are accepting donations for disaster relief. Do your part by using our links to the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, and others under the Disaster Relief button at krvn.com. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. It is National Farm Safety and Health Week. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During this week, we hear a lot about ways we can prevent accidents. But should an accident happen, it's refreshing to know there's an organization that's there to help step up. And maybe it's job-related stress to the body that requires you to go to them. I'm talking about Nebraska Agribility. Emily Fronberg is a rural rehabilitation specialist, and she covers the northeastern part of Nebraska. Her and I sat down during Husker Harvest Day's to find out more about AgriAbility. AgriAbility is a nationwide project that is that is grant funded through the USDA. So in order to qualify each state, you have to reapply for a grant cycle every four years. We are in co-partnership then in Nebraska with Nebraska Extension as well as Easter Seals Nebraska. That is the two organizations that make us up. What do we do is we focus on assisting farmers and ranchers throughout the state with disabilities. We want to keep them farming and ranching as long as possible. I mean, you know that one in four jobs in the state is all egg-based. So to keep them going as long as possible is great. So what we do is we do a farm assessment with each of our farmers and ranchers, and we recommend specialized equipment based on their disability to keep them going as long as possible. What's the reaction when you go into that farm or ranch and you meet it for the first time, you fill out all the paperwork, you let them know that guess what, we can help. You know, the, a lot of the time, a lot of our farmers that we see initially are proud, and they're like, oh, I don't know if we can we can ask for assistance. You know, that's a big deal. And we're lucky in the state of Nebraska that we work closely with Nebraska Vocational Rehab for funding for a lot of the equipment that we recommend. So a lot 
lot of times it's at no cost or very little cost to our farmers and ranchers because number one VR is paid for by their tax dollars and so they feel like giving back to those farmers and ranchers is great once the farmer has been through the program and got the equipment they're like I wish I would have done this earlier if they've been dealing with their disability for a long period of time. I mean, the joy it gives them to be able to go back out and do that thing that they love, is it's just passionate. And that's where my passion lies, is making sure I can help all of them. So, so how does somebody find out more information about it? You betcha. They can call our toll-free number at 1-800-471-6425. Or we also have a Nebraska AgriBility website. And if you Google Nebraska AgriBility, you can find us on our website. But we also have a Facebook page. Twitter and Instagram that we try to keep updated as much as possible. Chad Korth is from Meadow Grove, Nebraska, and he never thought of himself as somebody who would qualify for assistance from agribility. Well, I have I have some problems with my back. I I'm, I'm six foot six, so of course, with that, the vertebrae are stretched out pretty long, and so I've had I'm a little bit shorter today than I was then, and and uh, I was looking into some equipment, and somebody asked me if I was disabled, and I said. Absolutely not. I'm not disabled, but what, what are you talking about? And they said, well, there's a program called Nebraska Agribility that's directed to keeping the farmers and ranchers on the farm or the ranch by providing you some tools that would make your life easier. And I guess there was a start, and uh, Emily was, uh, I got in touch with Emily, and she came out and talked to me, did an assessment of, of me uh, with my medical records and uh, my farm, and, and look for ways that I could do my job and make it easier for me to do it and stay stay on the farm. So what do they do for you specifically? Um, I, I got a working facility to work some cattle. Um, and, and with that, my job is a lot easier. I'm able to uh, work the cattle safely, um, stay away from the animals. And they also provided me with a, uh, a seed tender, which in the spring, um, I don't have to carry the bags anymore. I can use the totes and have it has the auger that augers it into my corn planter. Um, you know, some of those uh, bags are 60 pounds, kind of depends on what are the weight of the corn, but something can get very heavy when you're carrying hundreds of bags of, of corn up uh, like a couple flights of stairs just to get into a center fill uh, corn planter. So um, they provided me with some tools. Um, it makes my life better. It makes you want to continue farming. It, it does. And, you know, I've I'm so thankful that they're there and that they help Palmer me. producer William Meyer was involved in a car accident which left him paralyzed from the waist down. But that hasn't stopped him from farming. After my accident, they came to Madonna and showed me all kinds of different equipment and things that people with disabilities do and have done in the past and just told me all the things that I should be able to do if I put a little effort and work into it which I've done almost everything I did before my accident, just with a different way. Um, Once you get a really cool rig. Yeah, I just got some different equipment to do it. Um, but they've helped me with this track chair, a lift of my pickup, we get into anything from my horse to my lawnmower to our tractors, our combine, and do all of them things. Um, I don't do some of the manual labor, which is nice some days, but I still wish I could do it. But. But you're able to keep, keep farming. Oh, yeah. I, I work every day, almost seven days a week, even if I don't want to. Uh, I still need help every day, though. So, I mean, but it still helps me get be independent of doing a lot of things that I thought I'd never do again.
If you'd like to find out further information about Nebraska AgriAbility, go to agribility.unl.edu to get the process started for you. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Next, let's get a review of our livestock futures trade from Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, it was uh, in the cattle, uh, kind of an oddball session. Uh, we ended up with the live cattle uh, mixed uh, with the uh, October and uh, February contracts lower and and uh, the uh, December, uh, April, June contracts a little bit higher. Then you turn over into the feeders. And they were a little bit higher with even some triple-digit gains. So, uh, and they uh, were no threat to uh, really go lower today. So, uh, interesting trade. Uh, not really much happening as far as the live cattle concerned. Uh, really no bids. Uh, slow trade last week. Looks like it's carrying over at least to the first part of this week. Uh, cutouts were higher, though, at noon. But a pretty light uh, volume of boxes uh, to get started for the week. So uh, after being spending a lot of time higher, uh, we kind of sold off here at the end of the day. The feeder cattle, though, held in there. Uh, looked like the superior auction was steady firm. And following up uh, with last week's uh, trade uh, in the feeders uh, uh, a little bit better. So uh, they were able to hold on to their gains. Turn to the hogs. Wow. Cash under a little bit more pressure. Cutouts low and higher at noon, but uh, the index uh, still falling pretty rapidly, closing in pretty quickly on uh, the uh, October contract, but didn't help the uh, nearby contracts, which finished lower, back end a little bit higher, still representing uh, bear spreading. So uh, mixed uh, type day uh, at the mercantile today. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal can be reached at Great Plains Commodities, 800-328-0134. We are less than a week out now from Exarbon 2017, and I visit today here again with Kevin Cook, Executive Director of Agricultural Initiatives for Exarbon. And Kevin, give us an update this year, not bringing everything to Grand Island, but still doing some of those extra activities outside of the livestock shows. So we are moving the livestock judging contest with us, and that's going to be held on Sunday. And it's really not a spectator sport. Understand that we've got, give or take, um, 600 plus kids from all across the country, junior college and 4-H kids, at our event for a national livestock judging contest. Um, the interesting thing is we're going to have the on the grounds and part of it actually in Bar Middle School in Grand Island. So that'll be an interesting adventure for those kids who are participating. But with the entries are just closing. I know the coaches are just getting their stuff in. So hopefully by the first part of next week, told how many teams we've actually got coming. But right now, our anticipation is we're going to have a similar number of kids we had last year. Should be breaking about 600. And then the, the quiz bowl is we do two quiz bowl contests. One is a national quiz bowl contest for those kids who win their states. We are one of two sites for a national quiz bowl contest. And then we have an Exarban quiz bowl contest coming in next week as well. Um, but that event is going to be held at the Boselman Center. If you actually want to come and see a quiz bowl contest, I think we can actually get you in to see part of that. Then we have our premier exhibitor contest, which most people don't understand unless you've been there, but it's kind of a lack of a better term. It's a skeleton or, or stuff where these kids um, participate in a series of quizzes, um, and then we select a winner from each species. Species winners then all apply for a premier exhibitor scholarship at the end of the year. 
All right, now, Kevin, one thing we haven't talked a lot about but is a main feature of Exarban are those livestock shows. Of course, those happening the second weekend, Saturday especially being a jam-packed day, and really this year being uh, held at world-class livestock facilities. I know that's something you've mentioned you're really excited for. Give us more detail on what to expect from this year's livestock shows. Yeah, so Friday is Thursday afternoon and Friday is just an arrival and check-in day, so we are not doing any shows on Friday this year. Saturday and Sunday pretty packed for a schedule. So we're Saturday morning we start at eight o'clock. Calf show, the market lamb show, exhibitor contest, and then the lamb challenge and calf challenge programs are Saturday morning. The broiler show, um, the market swine showmanship, and the dairy show is evening about six thirty. So Saturday's kind of busy. Breeding heifer show. And the market goat show and the market swine show all start at eight o'clock on Sunday morning, and we are having a the auction again on Sunday afternoon. Didn't talk about, and I apologize, and I probably should have, but we are uh, the 150th um, anniversary for the state of Nebraska. We're going to do a presentation for those families that received the 150-year Farm Family Award on Friday, probably about 11 o'clock or 11:30, for the calf challenge piece. And I invite you to come out to see those. Well, I think there's 1,650-year Farm Family um, Award winners here. We'll have the Farm Bureau, the Ag Department, the Department of Agriculture, Nebraska Department of Agriculture, and Extension on hand. So come on out to that too. That's on Saturday. All right. Thanks so much, Kevin. It's Kevin Cook, Executive Director of Agricultural Initiatives with Exarban. As they get set to kick off Exarban 2017, a lot of big changes coming to this year's show. It's happening in Grand Island for the first time ever this year. And that kicks off this week. For more information on anything Exarban related, you can head to www.exarban.org. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon on the Roll Radio Network. Joe Gangwish with you, along with John Payne, Senior Market Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago, also the publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, did we finally uh, get the soybeans drugged down by corn and wheat today? Uh, yeah, I think it was just kind of due to correct. Uh, you know, last week we saw the nice little spec run up there and failed at 200-day moving average now, and you're probably seeing some folks come in and, uh, and short ahead of the crop progress report that will be out here in a couple of hours. Um, not really a whole lot to trade off of right now. You know, you have... Uh, you know, the yields that are a little bit uncertain, I think it, uh, you know, maybe it could drive the price higher. Other than that, you're, you're really looking at going down to South America and following weather. There's, there's some bullishness down there, but the question I have is for beans, you know, are, do, is there enough bullishness short term for speculators to want to take beans from the U.S. farmer year at these prices, or do they wait and look to buy a break a couple of weeks from now when the harvest gets going? I, I'd like to think that there's upside from here and that we're going to go right through the 200 day. But I'm thinking we maybe have one more run down to 940, maybe even the high 930s uh, as uh, farmers start to sell it. Um, you know, it it's, there's not going to be a lot of data, I think, that's going to change the minds of the bulls or the bears in the short run. Yeah, China's pretty smart. They might wait and yeah. see what our yields are going to be. That's the bullishness, really. I mean, you, you know, if you... If you're going to buy here, and this is just for beans, like you have to be able to handle this break that could come from whatever yield hits the tape. If it's 48 and a half, and the farmer's looking to move that, uh, I think given the carries where they are, and the market's expecting a lot of crop that it doesn't have yet, and 
my kind of debate from somebody who wants to play this from the long side would be, do I, do I jump in now looking at seasonals that turn up here in the fourth quarter, or do I gamble and wait thinking that, hey, you know, maybe wait for that October 1st time period, which has been a good time to buy in the last decade or so. I think I'm kind of shading towards the latter, given that, uh, um, you know, it feels like a lot of producers I talk to still haven't sold in. I'd like to so quote unquote buy those beans from them. Like I want to buy the U.S. product at its cheapest price, and I think uh, you know when supply starts to, to ramp here, uh, which it will in the next couple of weeks, um, that that might be your better opportunity. Corn seemed locked down two to three all day. Yeah, corn is just you know I, I don't think we're going anywhere. I mean, if you had to make me choose a price direction for corn, I'd say say straight sideways. Maybe the March contract comes down a little lower here, but. We're at levels where you want to be a buyer. Um, end users are making good money when you factor in the basis. In fact, I mean, I, from some of you who would trade this stuff, I think physical is really what you want to own. The problem is most guys can't afford to own it right now. They have to sell that initial wave off the combine to make room for, for the rest of it to be stored. So, again, I think corn is going to have a difficulty rallying here in the next couple of weeks. But Act 1, I think the things turn around a little bit. Fourth quarter could be better for you. John Payne from Daniel Zag Marketing. Go to danielzagmarketing.com for his contact information. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.